0: For the Savior, Exodus chapter three, please. That will be uh, our starting point. Exodus chapter three. I do want to acknowledge, of course, as always, uh, the presence of Brother Chris and Mrs. Hasler, and the rare times that they are with us. It's always, it's. Uh, <laughs> let me qualify that. It's always a joy uh, to have you uh, here. Uh, And uh, of course we understand that uh, you have dedicated your lives for preaching the gospel to everywhere that uh, God will give you opportunities. So thank you for being here. It's always uh, a joy to have you. Exodus chapter 3. Over the course of the month, uh, we uh, watched and learned of so many videos. So many documentaries, and we've uh, watched again one this morning at Sunday school, all about missions. Those that, that have gone to some faraway place to, uh, to preach or to spread the good gospel of grace. We heard a plenty of messages about missions. We had a, a blessed and a, a wonderful time of uh, a banquet uh, lunch uh, complete with a, a replica of the uh, the, the yellow plane of uh, Nate Saint uh, that uh, uh, that uh, were, were used that was used in uh, Ecuador with uh, Jim Elliot, of course. A wonderful time of fellowship, a uh, wonderful feasting on the different food and and the culture, the diversity uh, that we have here at the church, and of course. A presence of a live missionary in Brother Gary Mackay in the house last Sunday. What a blessing. Did you enjoy his presentation? Are you encouraged with his presentation? And now we understand uh, what Brother Gary actually does. And for these many years, uh, he reported to us the mission work in ORA, uh, which we have supported as a church for these many years. And we'll continue to do so. We'll continue to do so. Over the last Sundays, I have made an appeal, like I said, about missions giving through faith promise. And again, I understand in the time where cost of living pressures uh, and the interest rates and the mortgage stress and rental stress that uh, we are all feeling and hitting Australian homes. Today, of course, is the last Sunday of our missions month. And after today, all these flags, all these banners and All the uh, reminders and the emblems and the symbols will return to storage for safekeeping. I commence our missions conference, so to speak, and Josh will uh, close it, challenge us even more tonight, and pray that uh, after all that was said and done, that in some small way, you were encouraged to participate in the missions program of our church, in participating in reaching the lost for Christ. That's why we do it. And that's why, should the Lord tarry, we will keep on doing it. That's why we exist as a church. Our theme, of course, was from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Here am I. Send me. I'm not sure if you noticed, but over the course of the month, I really haven't preached on our theme text. I mentioned our theme over and over again, and that was, of course, intentional, to drive the point home into our hearts the videos, and all the things that we did, I was trying to communicate to my heart, to your heart, and to our heart as a church. This morning is no different. In fact, I want to speak to you on a reverse thought, here am I, send him. Here am I, send him. And hopefully, we would be challenged even more in our promise. Not only challenge but comfort us as well. Exodus chapter 3, would you stand with me please? Exodus chapter 3, beginning here in verse 1. things, see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. Father, thank you once again for this time and indeed the privilege to preach your word. Oh God, I once again come before you. Lord, I ask that you would empower this servant to say the things that needed to be said and withhold on the things that needed not be said. I pray that you bless the preaching of your word. Once again, as I, in my feeble efforts and best efforts, studied And now, Lord, I pray that you would use it to speak to the hearts of your people just so that we would perhaps, after today, be a better Christian, one that is closer in our walk with you. And would, to God, I pray that we would indeed have a deeper sense and passion for the loss that's out there. That they will and that we would all be willing to take part, active part, in these days that is quickly degenerating into chaos, that we would indeed be used of you. To save that one, to be a channel, a conduit of those that you're seeking. I pray now, Lord, that you would meet with us. If there is one that's here within our midst, that do not know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, oh God, I pray that today be the day of their salvation. We give you the praise and indeed the thanks for the wonder that you are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Here am I. Send him. Now, if my memory serves me right, as a boy in Manila, the film Ten Commandments was the first movie that I have actually seen inside a movie theater. Uh, And uh, up until today, uh, that movie is still fresh in my mind. And whenever I read of Moses in the Bible, I cannot help but think of that movie with uh, Charlton Heston, of course, being the actor who portrayed Moses. Now, you young people, you probably have no clue of this movie. And uh, I'm really not that old yet. I just look old. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I remember this film. I mean, it reveals my, my age, my era, if you like. Uh, really, beloved, his hairstyle, you know, that sort of grace. His coat. That, that he wore, um, his rod, the plagues, and of course uh, the parting of the Red Sea—it's uh, still up in, in up here. And I, as I studied again this week, I, I cannot help it, but uh, those images, those visions of that film—they uh, bec- came back uh, in my mind. Now, of course, as an adult, and uh, as I review it, and with what I. Uh, know now from the scriptures, I understand the many theatrical license that was taken and the conflicting representations as well as the, uh, the errors found in the film. Nevertheless, the imagery in the movie, like I said, remained in me, even though the reality, reality of Moses, the scriptures recorded him, is different. Praise God that he is, of course, cataloged as one of the heroes of our faith in Hebrews chapter 11. From the text we read, come with me, though, to verse 10. So we've just read the first few verses, uh, 1 to 4. Come down with me, please, to verse 10. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Here in verse 11, and Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? First Moses said, Here am I. We just read him saying, Who am I? Now look with me this time to verse 13. And Moses, uh, chapter 4, verse 13, I should say. And he said, O my Lord, send I pray thee by the hand of him whom thou wilt send." Now I'm not recommending it. But just so you understand where I'm going with this, if you are reading from the contemporary English version, the CEV, it is written as, Moses begged, Lord, please send someone else to do it. If you are using the English Standard Version, as I said, I'm not recommending it, or the ESV, it's written as, but he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. So from here am I, to whom am I, to then send someone else. And so as we just read from our text, in the beginning, Moses was really not a hero of the faith, or at least not yet. God wanted Moses to set his people free, but Moses' response was not me. First he said, "Here am I." But when he found out what God wanted him to do, go to Egypt and face up to Pharaoh, "Oh no, God. Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and bring unto the children, out the children of Israel out of Egypt?" Moses knew what Egypt was like. He knew who Pharaoh was. Nobody messes up with him. At the time, the most powerful man in the world, as we knew it, the Pharaoh. So I don't blame him. Oh no. I'm just a shepherd on the backside of the desert. Not me, God. You need to look for somebody else. Uh, Yes, here am I. But send him. He speaks confidently. Or or send Chris. He's an evangelist. That's what he does. Or send uh, Joshua. He's a missionary. Oh, not me. -uh. Not me. Notice chapter 4 verse 1. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. You know, beloved, this is equivalent in our lingo today. What if they don't believe me? That's the equivalent here. Isn't it amazing how often we use that phrase with God? The phrase, what if? Now, Lord, Lord, What if I share the gospel at work in the office? What if I get in trouble? What if I lose my job? What are you going to do then? What if I get fired? What then? What if I step up and take a ministry at the church? What if the kids don't like me? What if I disciple someone and they ask me a difficult question uh, and I don't know the answer? I would look like a fool. What do I do then? What about this tithing business, this fake promise, this missions giving? What if I give my money and then I cannot make my grocery or car payments? Will you send the money? Will you cover for my expenses? And if I take up that challenge in going, yes, here am I, send me. What if you send me into some remote third world country somewhere? What if I get sick and and grab some disease? What then? You see, beloved, Moses had the same what if disease as we have. He knew and understood what God wanted him to do. It was crystal clear. It wasn't that he didn't know what needed to be done. He was there in Egypt. He saw it all. He knew what the problem was. He knew the plight of God's people. He seen it with his own eyes. He knew what the problem is. That wasn't the issue. Moses' problem was simply fear rather than faith in the God who already said to him in chapter 3, verse 12, even unto the end of the world, we hear that in Matthew 28. Look with me in chapter 3 of Exodus, verse 12. And he said, certainly I will be with thee. In the New Testament, the great commission as we now know it, did God not say to us, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. You see, Moses, like us, was afraid that if he did what God wanted him to do, if he obeyed what God commanded him to do, it may not work out right for him. That something would go wrong. And if it was the case, only a miracle could get him out of that trouble. Well, hello? Anyone up there? He's talking to a bush that doesn't burn. And he's listening to a voice that he cannot see where it's coming from. What other miracle was he looking for? And of course, in our context today, we have the full canon of scripture from the beginning until the end. God's word, manual for us, for our living. I will be with thee. I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world. You see, Moses He wanted a preview before he would print. He wanted a perfect assurance that all will be well and everything will work out as he wanted it to be. And so he's out there on holy ground playing what-if game with God. Do we not do the same, beloved? We ask God for a guarantee as if we're buying an insurance policy. We want God to tell us ahead of time what the road will be like before we would take that first step. We spend on time trying to what if God, mind you, this is the God who is omnipotent in all his ways. The one who is omnipresent and he already said, certainly I will be with thee. The one who if we say, here am I, send me. He says, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Oh, my dear ones. Let us stop playing the what if game with God. Rather we be like the apostle Paul upon his conversion said, Lord, what wilt thou have me? To do. Now what if? What wilt thou have me to do? Now if you've been in the faith for some time now, you know the account of Moses. And isn't it amazing that with all the excuses and with all the cheap bargaining shots that Moses did with God, God was gracious and patient with him. He didn't write him off. He didn't dismiss him. In fact, what he did is he encouraged him and he equipped him. And God will do the same thing with us and for us. God is not in the writing off business. God is in the business of getting us involved in his course. And even in our times of inadequacy, in our times of we're not able, He enables. And He encourages us. You see, when God calls us to do something for Him, our what-ifs are nothing but wasted time. It don't and won't matter. Did you notice what He asked of Moses? What is in thine hand? What is in thine hand? Just an ordinary rod, which became an extraordinary rod with God and for God. My dear ones, God is able to use what is already in our hand. Your talents, your abilities that He has endowed you. You already have it. Use it for His glory. Your riches, your resources that He has already provided for you. The place or the places that you are in right now. Whatever you have right now, wherever you may be, or whoever you are right now. Surrendered to him, he will use for his glory. Amen. Notice now Moses, what if, became, I am not. Exodus chapter 4, again in verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither he too, for nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Lord, I am not eloquent. That is, I cannot speak well or readily. I'm not an orator that should stand before the king and his court. I cannot make fine and, 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 and handsome speeches before the king. I've never ever been eloquent. Uh, uh I have uh, all that I have been talking to or with for the last 40 years are this sheep of the pasture that's not even mine. It's my father-in-law's. And here in the wilderness, I am slow of speech and a slow tongue. Words just doesn't come out to me quickly and rightly. I have issues in grammar and pronunciations. I had troubles with bowels and consonants. Can I tell you today? So did so did. So did the apostle Paul. And yet he was able to accomplish great things for God. Look with me in First Corinthians chapter two. First Corinthians chapter two. Now you know Paul, of course. And uh, the many uh, great things he hath done for God. First Corinthians chapter 2. This will encourage your heart. First Corinthians chapter 2. Here in verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, Oh, beloved, did you know that God is really not interested in your ability, so much so, more than he is your availability? You're in chapter 2, cast your eyes now a few verses back, let me just go back there, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, now we are on chapter 1. Here in verse twenty six. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty six, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called but God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea? And things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, whom God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. That according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. It's never about our abilities, beloved. Even those abilities came from Him. It was endowed unto us. You may be able, but if you're not available, God cannot use you. At least in this context. My dear ones, for as long as you and I are say, saying what if to the Lord, we're not obeying. We are negotiating with the Lord. And there's a whole world of difference between the two. For as long as we are saying I am not to the Lord. Exodus 4.12, we really are saying we are devaluing, we are doubting the creator God who fearfully and wonderfully made us from our mother's womb. Moses indeed was just a keeper of the flock at the backside of the mountain. A flock that is Not even his, like I said, it's his father-in-laws. But with him, submitting, finally, and saying, here am I, sent me, he became something. And somebody else like no other. How do I know that? Turn with me, please, back to the Old Covenant. Deuteronomy, chapter 34. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy the last chapter Deuteronomy chapter 34 Here in verse 10 <clears throat> It's good to hear those bibles pages Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 10 and there arose not a prophet sins in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Wow. Moses lived a total of 120 years. And this initially fearful, doubtful man turned out to be a great prophet like no other in Israel's since. You see, all throughout the life of Moses, he has witnessed the many miracles of God. From the basket of weeds where he floated from the river Nile, uh, to the burning booths, to the very rod in his hands, uh, to the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, the witnessing and the hearing of the voice of God, writing the Ten Commandments, the Shekinah glory upon his face, to the earth swallowing uh, the, the, the men of Korah and his family and those who murmured and rebelled against him and the Lord, the turning of bitter into sweet water uh, in, at Marah, the, running, the raining of manna from heaven, water gushing out from the rock, a healing of those who were bitten by snakes, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, and so, so much more. Moses has seen it all. All that Moses had to do was to obey God. And God took care of the rest. When he needed a miracle, he got one. When he needed an answer to prayer, he got one. Whatever he needed, he got. For as long as he obeyed God. Because beloved, God Always takes care of his own. Always. In the short time that I've been doing this full time. I can tell you. I can tell you. That God takes care. Of his own. I have read so many biographies now. I have been Chatting to some pastors of my day. I have watched a plenty of how God, who surrendered their lives uh, to, to him, he took care of them. And he will take care of us. Stop listening to Governor Philip Love. Stop listening sometimes to the news of our day. Stop wondering about what tomorrow will be. Our God has already said he'll take care of our tomorrow. All that Moses had to do was obey God. Beloved, the God that Moses had is the same God we have today. When he said, go ye and make disciples, he made a promise to those who will obey that he will be with them always unto the end of the earth. I look around the room today and I have to tell you what a blessing it is to pastor a flock such as yourselves. I pinch myself many times for this opportunity, for this privilege to be your pastor at this time. Every waking moment of my life these days, I cannot help but thank God for you all. Read. You all are a blessing to me in your special ways. And you are, I'm sure, a blessing to each other. Just the spirit around the place now, for the most part, there is unity. There are more of you who are givers rather than takers. Some of you have grown in the Lord, now taking up positions of ministries. Many of you have been faithfully serving in so many ways that we don't even notice, perhaps even recognize me. Would you pray, please, Lord? Would you help me to win and disciple one? Just one. Before the month of May, I was speaking to the Lord. And I was asking him, I said, Lord, would we have just one soul saved in the month of May? Just one. I said, I don't really desire, whether it's in church or in our people's homes, just one. And then one of our little ones had her birthday. And I sent her through the mom's and dad's phone. I said to this little one, I pray that when you're old enough and you understand what it means to be saved, that you will get saved. Just a few minutes after that, I got saved. I have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior two weeks ago. That's little Hannah. The one that plays the piano. Joshua, Sophie you have no idea how happy I was that day. Because the Lord answered my prayer. I thought that was it. I shared this with you, Josh. I was so happy. Then here is Clint and Bianca. Same thing it takes. Kara just got saved tonight. Amen. Oh, Calvary Baptist Church. I don't know how you see our little ones. Perhaps they annoy you running around the place, stumbling and screaming, and all the things that they do. But the earlier they get saved, should the Lord tarry, they have a lifetime, an opportunity for them to serve the Savior. You're all grandpas and grandmas, mothers and dads you know how it feels when one of your own come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Tonight, Joshua will reign this in. He will close up our conference. Would you pray that you would take an active part in reaching one soul for Christ and disciple that person so that that one person a disciple, another. Perhaps that when we're all six feet under, these ones will be the new Calvary Baptist Church. This 50th year celebration is hitting me like a ton of bricks. I'm coming to a realization of the great things that God has done to our church over these years. The more I read through it, the more I trace our history. I've contacted Baptist missions and got some help. Corresponded with Mary and Lorraine and the ones that have been here. Oh, beloved. Indeed, it's true. Great things he hath done. Whereof we are glad. That's our thing. But in order for us to continuously experience the great things that God has done and will do. We need to be a people that is obedient to him. In a world that is so, so different in 1973. They were not contending with the internet then. They didn't have the destruction of the mobile phone. There were no celebrity preachers as such and if even there are, they cannot really influence quite easily. Our world is different. But the Lord is the same. Would you please increase your faith in giving firstly yourself to the Lord. The wallet will follow. The money really his money for missions carry Baptist Church would we say Lord here am I send me let's have our heads bowed and let's pray Father in heaven thank you once again oh dear God that we have your word and we have an example of men and women in the past, that perhaps in the beginning were timid, doubtful, fearful, feeling of inadequate, thinking of the what if, always just so the same. But dear God, I pray that we as a church would really come to a point that in these days of evil that indeed we would redeem the time. We would spread the message of the gospel. We will not be apathetic about it. That we will make some active steps to share the good news. Oh, this world needs some good news, dear God. We have the message of hope we have the message of a changed life, not only for now, but for all eternity. Help us to trust in you and not to be fearful because you have already said certainly you will be with us until the end of the world. So dear God, I pray, I'm not sure if we will have another 50 years as a church, But even if we don't, at least in this, our generation, that we would reach the loss for you. Give us the boldness, the courage, the trust in you and you alone. We give you the thanks. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.